I understand out in the lobby they have some decorations that say something about me having a birthday. And um, earlier this morning someone was saying, it tells us that you have a birthday, but it doesn't tell us how old you are. So I want to be clear because communication needs to be clear. This Tuesday I will be 56. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to 57, 58, 59, 60, and right on up, as many as God will give me. But thank you so much for being here. I, I learned a long time ago that sometimes when people talk to you, they're not always real clear. You're not sure what they mean. You ever had an experience like that? Somebody said something, you just weren't certain where they were coming from. When I was young and first started out preaching, I was preaching one Sunday in this little country church, and it was... It was one of those Sundays where it just wasn't going well. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do in life. Sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't. And this was one of those Sundays I didn't have it. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking. It just wasn't working well. And I, I made one of these big movements with my hand. And when I did, it knocked my notes off the pulpit. And they fell all the way off the stage. And this was a little church that had one of those traditional communion tables sitting down front. And they flew under the table. So I had to walk down off the stage, get on my knees, reach under the table, retrieve my notes, walk back up on the stage, finish the sermon. It was just a bad day. After the service, there was this sweet, precious, white-haired, elderly saint of Jesus. This lady who was shaking my hand, talking to me down at front, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. She said, I ain't got no doubt but that you're going to be a good one someday. I'm still not certain what she meant by that. (laughs) But then sometimes people communicate in a way that's really clear and it encourages you and blesses you. The second time I ever preached was on Sunday morning in my home church. There were about 400 people there. I preached from 1 Corinthians 3 on the carnal Christian. A lady got saved. Someone else rededicated their life to the Lord. It was just one of those great days. Everything went really well. Following the service, I was standing in what would be about this area, and Ann Lewis played the organ in our church. She taught French in the high school. I was a junior in high school. She was my French teacher. She was also my Sunday school teacher. And I still remember Ann walking by, shaking my hand and saying, I think you found your calling. Sometimes God uses what other people say to bless us and affirm us and encourage us and guide us. So clarity of communication, making sure we understand what people are saying and that people understand what we're saying is really important. And brothers and sisters, that is really true in your relationship with Jesus. That you be able to clearly hear what he is saying, understand it, and be able to apply it to your life. But the problem is sometimes we don't hear Jesus very well. Sometimes our vision is cloudy and we don't see things the way he wants us to see them. We just don't get it. And often that is because of things that are going on inside of us. Maybe on the inside of me there is doubt and I I really don't trust God. Maybe on the inside of me there is fear. If if I do this, well, that. If I try, well, what about that? And we have all these fears uh, that, that, that inhibit us from doing and hearing and seeing. So there's something going on inside of me, fear and doubt. Maybe it's Maybe it's, I'm, I'm struggling on the inside because of some choice I made in the past that was wrong, uh, some sin that I committed, and it's kind of messing me up. I'm still dealing with the consequences of it. And it makes it really hard for me to hear God clearly and, and see things the way God wants me to see them. Maybe on the inside I've, 
I'm, I'm messed up a little bit because I've, I've established some bad patterns. I've, I've established some habits that maybe aren't healthy. And those things make my vision blurry and my ears a little bit deaf. I don't hear God really well. Maybe it's because in the past I made some choices, some decisions that were bad. Maybe I tried something and it failed, it didn't work out. And, and so all of this just kind of gets jumbled up on the inside of me and, and it, it's like it puts spiritual wax in my ear so that I don't hear God. Or if I hear Him, I don't hear Him clearly. And, and I don't listen the way I'm supposed to and I don't see things from God's perspective. And one of the ways you can know that there's something going on inside of you that's making it hard for you to really listen to God and hear Him clearly and obey. And one of the ways you can know that is you begin to sense that God is saying something to you, asking something of you, and you find yourself making excuses to justify what already is instead of doing what God's asking you to do. You begin making excuses that justify living the way you're living, thinking the way you're thinking, feeling the way you're thinking, when God's trying to break through all of that stuff in here and say to you, something can be different, something can be better, there's more I want to do in your life, there's more I want to accomplish through you, but all that stuff in you causes you to make excuses, to stay the way you are, think the way you think, feel the way you think, talk the way you talk, do what you're already doing. And so if you're making excuses to justify staying put, that's a pretty good indicator. There may be some stuff in here that's making it hard for you to hear God. This month we're talking about no excuses. Challenging ourselves to try as an experiment, if you will, for 30 days to not make any excuses. Try to do Everything God asks us to do, live biblically in every area of our life, and just see what God does. That if, if we can go 30 days, if we can spend one month without making excuses, what can happen in my life? What can it look like? What can it be like at home and at work and in my relationship with Jesus? And every Sunday, we're focusing on a different part of your life. Last Sunday, your relationship with Jesus today is this stuff that's inside of you, focusing on you, the inside of you that causes you to stay put instead of becoming. And so I invite you to open your Bible to the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 6. If you have your Bible or your pad or whatever, Judges chapter 6 in the Old Testament. We're going to look at the story of Gideon because Gideon was a man that God called to do something significant. God saw great possibilities in him. But Gideon made excuses. And those excuses grew out of the lifestyle he had established, the stuff that was inside of him that made him doubt God. And I think you and I can learn some things from his experience and how God worked to change him because the truth is we want God to change us, don't we? Don't you want God to change you? Don't you want God to grow you? Don't you want God to overcome those things in your life that cause you to make excuses for, for not moving forward and becoming everything God wants you to be in life? Well, Gideon is a good example for us. Now, Gideon lived during a time after the Jewish people had been delivered from slavery in Egypt, you know, the Exodus story, Moses and all of that, that we looked at last Sunday. And now they've settled in the promised land. 
they really don't have a strong central government. It's more or less a, a federation of the Jewish tribes that lived in Palestine, um, different Jewish people, groups living in different parts of that nation, but, but not a central government. And every time there was a crisis, God would raise up a, an inspirational leader who would deliver them, who would help them and unite them to deal with whatever that particular crisis was. And when Gideon was a young man, they were in a crisis. And we're told about it in chapter 6, starting in verse 1. So look at verse 1. The Bible says, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. Now, what's been happening was instead of worshiping God, the God who had brought them out of Egypt, they had started worshiping this false pagan god called Baal. They had actually built an altar, and they would worship him. It's not that they totally stopped believing in the god that had delivered them from, from Egypt. They just started ignoring him. He was, he was sort of there, but they weren't paying much attention to him. They weren't listening to him. They weren't obeying him. They kind of turned their back on him, you could say, and they were worshiping this pagan god and pretty much doing whatever they wanted to. And so these non-Jewish tribes who lived around them to the, to the east of the Jordan River, south down to the Sinai Peninsula and the Arabian Desert, all of these different tribes started making annual raids into Palestine. And they would plunder, they would steal, they would kill. In fact, the Bible tells us in the verses that follow that uh, these, these, these tr- non-Jewish tribes would raid the Jewish people, and, and from, from all the way from the Jordan River over to Gaza and the Mediterranean Sea, I mean, they were conquering the whole country. And every time these raiders would come into Palestine, into the Jewish territory, the Jews would take their prized possessions and hide in caves until the raiders were gone. And so it was just a mess, and this was going on for a, a number of years, and, and that's the time period in which Gideon is living. It's a tough time. And God sends a prophet to them in verses 8 and following. And that prophet reminds the Jewish people that God had delivered them from Egypt. God had settled them in the promised land. God had blessed them. God had made them a nation, but they had forgotten him. They had turned their back on him and sinned by worshiping this pagan God and not obeying God. And it was time for them to repent. And if they would repent, God would raise up a leader to deliver them and give them peace. And so one day, in chapter 6, verse 11, God begins to intervene. Let's look at verse 11. And then the angel of the Lord came and he sat under this oak tree on the property of a family that uh, had a son named Gideon. At the end of verse 11, it says, His son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. Gideon was afraid, and he was in hiding. The winepress was, was a, a carving, an opening in rocks where they would walk on grapes to, to create juice, and it was usually near the mountains or whatever, and it was kind of hidden. When they would thresh their wheat, it was out in the open where the wind could blow, and it would blow the chaff away from the wheat. And so here, Gideon, rather than threshing his wheat out in the open, takes it and goes over to this winepress like he's in hiding because the Midianites are invading So here's this guy trying to keep his family going. He's afraid and he's in hiding. And suddenly an angel comes and speaks to him. And in verse 11 
after the angel shows up in verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Now, I don't know about you, but that just strikes me as funny. Here's this guy hiding. He's afraid. His people are conquered. And the angel looks at him and says, O valiant warrior. See, God, when he looks at us, when he looks at our circumstances, when he looks at our life, God sees what can be. And too often, all we see is what is. We're in hiding. We're afraid. We failed. We're filled with doubt. And God intervenes and says, let me show you what can be. Let me show you what I can do in your life. Because what is, is not everything. God says, I'm capable of doing so much more than you are experiencing right now. But Gideon only saw what was. And so look at the story. O valiant warrior, then verse 13, Gideon responds to the angel and says, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Gideon looked around at all the circumstances. He saw everything that was happening, and he said, Really? Really? I don't see the hand of God. All I see are problems. All all I see are our challenges. Where is God? Our fathers told us about this God that delivered us from Egypt. All the great things he did. I don't see any of that happening today. Where's God? You know what Gideon was doing? Gideon was doing what we sometimes do. Gideon was blaming God for his circumstances. And Gideon was forgetting. Gideon was ignoring that he and all his fellow citizens had forgotten God. He was ignoring the fact that They had turned their back on God. Yeah, they still believed in Him and He was there and part of their life, sort of. But they had all these other idols. They had all these other gods. They had all these other things they wanted to do. And God was kind of, you know, on the shelf. And they made some decisions. They had made some choices. But when it came to the problems in their life, God's fault. God's fault. You see, you know, do you know what God had done? God was not the one who raided them. That was the Midianites and the Amalekites and the other tribes. You know, you know what God did? God simply said, okay, you, you want to act as though I'm not around? You want to do your own thing? You don't want to listen to me. You don't want to hear me. You don't want to see me. You don't want to obey me. You just, you just, you just want to do your own thing. Okay. I'll let you. And what God had done 
where God had simply removed his hand of blessing. God had not caused what happened to them to happen. God had simply said, I'm removing my hand of protection. Now, that's not always how it works, but a lot of times it is. God said, okay. It's as though they were saying, all right, God, we believe in you, but we really want to worship this other God and do all of our own things and not obey you. But, God, we still expect you to protect us. We still expect you to bless us. We still expect you to do all of your miracles in our life and do all the great things in our life, even though we're not going to be dedicated to you. And Gideon had had fallen into that way of thinking. He'd fallen into that culture. He'd fallen into that pattern. In fact, the idol where the village gathered to worship the pagan god Baal, do you know where that idol was? It was on Gideon's family property. Gideon's family maintained that idol. But where's God? God was there. God was trying to intervene. God was trying to help. God was trying to get their attention. God was trying to say, Gideon, it doesn't have to stay this way. If you'll lift up your eyes and look at me, more is possible. It doesn't have to be this way. But you see, when we get into the routine of sin and the routine of ignoring God and not listening and not seeing things the way God sees them, we forget that sometimes we've made some choices that have gotten us where we are. That's Gideon's circumstance. And it's in that moment that God is intervening in Gideon's life. So verse 14, the Lord looked at Gideon and said, Go in in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? You know what God is saying? Gideon, what I have for you in life, my plan for you is not dependent on your current circumstances. All Gideon could do was look around at the way everything is and say, this is it. God can't do any more. And God is saying, Gideon, I'm sending you. I'm calling you. What I'm going to do in your life is not limited by where you are today. Your circumstances do not dictate what God can do in your life. And so the story continues. Verse 15. He said to him, Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, the tribe that he was a part of, and and I'm the youngest in my father's house. Gideon said to the Lord, my family is a nobody family in this place. We're nobodies. And, and, And I'm the biggest nobody of this nobody family. You ever felt like a nobody? You ever felt invisible? You ever felt like, I can't? Not me. No, I can't. I don't have the talent. I don't have the skills. I I can't change. No, not me. That's where Gideon was at this moment 
in life. But look how God responded in verse 16. The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. I will be. You know what God is saying? Gideon, who I am is more important than who you are. You may not be able to, but God says, I am able to. Who God is, because He is the one who is with us when He asks us to do something, when He lifts our vision to something better and more, God says, I will be with you, and who I am with you in that moment, in that challenge, in that opportunity, who I am in you is more important than who you are. With God, things are possible. But Gideon is still not ready to obey. He wants some assurance. He wants some proof. He wants a sign. And so he takes some meat and broth and bread. It's placed on a rock, and the angel touches that rock with a rod, and fire appears and consumes the meat and the bread. And all of a sudden, Gideon wakes up and says, Oh, I get it. You really are God. You really are capable. You really can do it. There was so much junk inside of Gideon that God was having to break through. And and listen, the challenge for some of you right now is there's so much junk in you that there is so much stuff in you, whether it's pain or fear or past whatever. And and you're going to have to open up your heart Open up your soul, open up your mind, and let God break through. You're going to let God clean some of that out. And God wants to. But you've got to open yourself. Because it's as though God's looking at you. Well, all of that junk is causing you to make excuses and stay where you are. God's looking at you and says, let me help you because you can be a valiant warrior. You can be something you've never dreamed you could be. You can be used in my kingdom in ways you never knew were possible. Not because of who you are, but because of who I am, he says. And I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So stop using who you are in your current circumstances as an excuse to not let God do that beautiful thing he wants to do in your life. Well, Gideon finally gets it, and he obeys. And the first step of obedience is found in verses 25 and following. And by the way, your growth is a process. You don't move from being immature to be mature in one day. It's a process, but you've got to start the journey. You have to start on the path of obedience, and that's what Gideon does here. Notice how he obeys God, but not perfectly. Verse 25, on the same night that the Lord said to, spoke to Gideon in verse 25, he said, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner, and then sacrifice the second bull. Verse 27, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. Now notice, Gideon begins his journey of change. 
He begins his journey of obedience, but it's not full, complete change and full, complete obedience from the very get-go, but he starts the journey. He goes and he tears down this altar to the pagan god Baal. And he uses the lumber from it to burn the bull that was offered as a sacrifice to God. And he builds an altar for the people in that village to worship the God of Israel who delivered them from Egypt. So he's obedient. He's on the journey. He's changing. But it's a process because he's still afraid, isn't he? It's like he's sticking his toes in the water. Now, that's a big step. turning Because everybody who would get up the next morning would see what he had done. So it's a big step. It's a big step of obedience, of faith. But there's also some fear. Because he does it when? During the darkness, during the night. Why? Because he's afraid of how people are going to react. So he does it under the cover of darkness. See, if you keep waiting until you can obey God perfectly before you will obey God, you will never obey Him. People sometimes ask me, Preacher, how do you get more faith? Use the faith you already have. It's that simple. You want to grow your faith? Act on the faith you already have. You're not going to have any more faith in God until you do something with the faith that is in you right now. You've got to start the journey. You have to take the first step. You have to move. You have to do something. Faith acts. Faith not only believes, faith steps. Obey God. Take that step. Start your journey because as long as you stay where you are, guess what? You're always going to be where you are. You you don't have to know D-E-F-G before you can do A in your walk with Jesus Christ. If he's calling you to do A, do A. He'll tell you what B is, but you gotta do A. You gotta obey. You gotta take the step. And so Gideon stepped out. And all of a sudden, this man who took his first step of faith with a little bit of fear. Listen to me. Listen to me. Faith is not necessarily the absence of fear. Faith is obedience even in the face of fear. Because faith does not look at circumstances. Faith looks at the God who is bigger than your circumstances and is asking you to obey Him. That's what faith looks at. After this, Gideon would go on to lead the Jewish army to military victory over those tribes. And the next two chapters tell us about it. The next two chapters tell us that Gideon lived to be an old man. He died at a ripe old age. And for 40 years after the story we just looked at for the next 40 years under Gideon's leadership, the Jewish people had peace and security and prosperity. He became a valiant warrior. But it all started with the junk being cleaned out. It all started with that first fearful step of obedience. But there was so much more afterward. 
And everybody in his life was blessed because of it. Now, you remember when God first started talking to Gideon? Gideon's excuse was, I'm from a nobody family. And I'm nobody in this nobody family. You remember that? Remember how I said at the start, sin blinds us, makes it hard for us to see the truth, to hear God clearly? The truth is, Gideon was not a nobody. And he was not a member of a nobody family. That's just how he saw things. Because in the story of Gideon tearing down that altar to Baal and building a new one to God, Did you notice that in that story, the altar was on the property that Gideon's family owned? And they had the financial resources to maintain the place where the people in that village would gather to worship that pagan god? And did you notice in the story that when Gideon tore it down, he had ten of his father's servants help him. Did you catch that? Does that sound like a nobody family? They own the property. They maintain the place of worship for the village. They have ten servants. Does that sound like a nobody family to you? See, here's what I've learned over over the years of living. That whatever our circumstances, whatever our resources, whoever we are, whatever our skill set, when we're not obeying Jesus, we're not hearing him clearly and seeing things the way he sees them, I've learned that we always have this way of thinking that who we are and what we have just isn't enough to do what God's asking us to do. You could have 20000 50000 100000 $500,000, and if you are not listening to Christ clearly and you're not seeing things the way he wants you to see them, you will find an excuse, whatever your circumstance, to not do whatever God's asking you to do because your circumstances are not the issue. You ever said to yourself, if I could just have this, if I could just be that, then I would, if I could just have this much money, if I had that skill, then I would. Have you ever said anything, if I just had, then I would? It doesn't matter where we are in life, when you're not following Jesus closely, you'll talk like that. Obedience doesn't depend on circumstances. Obedience depends on letting God get our heart and clean out the junk. So that we begin seeing what he sees. We begin seeing what he sees as possible. We begin hearing him more clearly. It's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of circumstances. If I could, let me wrap this up. If I could use one word to summarize Gideon, do you know what that word would be? Doubt. 
Gideon was a man of profound doubt until he allowed God to change his heart over a period of time. And that's where some of you are. You just don't believe God can do it in your life. You just don't believe things can be different. You just don't believe you can change. Doubt. And doubt is fed by focusing on our circumstances more than we focus on Jesus. And God says, lift up your eyes and look at me. Don't don't just stare at what is. Don't just stare at your circumstances. I'm with you. I'm able to do so much more. Doubt is fed within us when we have more fear than we have faith. Doubt is fed within us when our personality is always cautious and never bold. Doubt is fed within us when we see what is without ever seeing what can be. That was Gideon. That's some of you. But Gideon changed, and so can you. How did God overcome doubt in Gideon's life? How can he overcome it in your life? Three things, real quick. One is found in verse 16 of chapter 6. It's the presence of God. God said, I will be with you. We've been asking you to spend time each day in the week with Jesus. Have a daily devotional. We handed out devotional guides last Sunday. They're on the website. You can get the church out. This coming week, there's a devotion each day of the week that focuses on inside of you. Letting God clean out the junk. God do something in you. Spend time with Christ. Become more conscious of His focus because if you go through days and weeks and months without an awareness of the presence of God, without focusing on Jesus in your life, then doubt grows. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus and faith grows. Second thing to overcome doubt. It's found in verse 14, and it's, and it's doing the will of God. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength, deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? When you obey Scripture, when you obey what God says in His Word, you are doing right. Obedience to the Word of God increases faith. Disobedience to the Word of God increases doubt. When you're doing what Scripture says, you're living in the will of God. And the final thing is in verse 34, it's the power of God in the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, so the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. You're not alone. God is with you. And you don't have just your strength. You have God's strength. God told Gideon, remember this, go in your strength and I will be with you. Start where you are. Go in the strength you have. Act on the faith that you have. Obey. And as you're going, the strength you have, obeying God with the faith you have, God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. And He strengthens you with strength beyond what you already have. But not if you don't walk. Not if you just stay put. The power of God grows faith. Ignoring his power grows doubt. 
See, Gideon had to get out of his own way for God to do the great things in his life. And some of you need to get out of your way. You sports enthusiasts, you, you remember prime time Deion Sanders? Anybody here remember Deion Sanders? Hmm? Two-time All-American at Florida State in football in the late 80s. He also was a pretty good baseball player down there for the Seminoles. He's in the NFL Hall of Fame, won two Super Bowls, one with the 49ers and one with uh, the Cowboys. Great athlete. He, he was a big personality, but he was a, but he was a great athlete. Deion Sanders is the only athlete in history to hit a home run in the major leagues and score a touchdown in the NFL in the same week. Now, that's an athlete. That's a player. Deion Sanders grew up in the bad part of Fort Myers, Florida. And talking about some of the guys he grew up with and went to high school with in an interview, this is what he said. Now, now, now listen to this. He called them Idas. This is a quote from that interview. He said, I call them Idas. This is what they say. If I'd have done this, I'd be making $3 million today. If I'd have practiced a little harder, Dion, I'd be a superstar like you. He goes on to say in that interview, they were as fast as me when they were kids. But instead of working for their dreams, they chose drugs and a life of street corners. When I was young, I had practice. My friends who didn't went straight to the streets and never left. That moment after school is the moment we need to grab. We don't need any more us. God doesn't want you to get way down the road and look back over the years you've lived and say, if I'd have... If I'd have listened, if I'd obeyed, if I'd have done, if I'd have, because then it's too late. God doesn't want you on the street corner. God wants you in the game. God doesn't want you a prisoner to whatever drug you're abusing in life. God wants you to be a champion. God wants you to be a valiant warrior. But you've got to start walking. You've got to start going. You've got to start obeying. You've got to start doing. You can't stay where you are. Is God trying to lift your vision? Is God trying to show you some things that you're having a hard time seeing because you're so locked into what He is? Is God saying, look to me, listen to me, trust me, obey me, serve me, because there's more in your life than what already is. Let's stand. Father in heaven, you've been talking to hearts and to minds, to the people who are standing in this room and to those who are watching on television. 
And I pray, Father, you will give the courage and strength, the faith even, in the midst of our fears, in the midst of the unknowns, to step out and obey you. Help us not stay where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this song.